3: It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television.
1: I like football!
3: Now, the 2017 Radio Sports Broadcaster of the Year, on the show with back-to-back Montana Broadcaster Association Awards for sports coverage and award-winning sports journalism. Here
1: is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Hello, Montana! Conference play a day away. And also the Seattle Seahawks. It is to tell New Ones on 1029 ESPN Radio and across the state on SWX Montana Television. Hi, how are you? Great to be with you here on a Friday afternoon. Hope you are having a fantastic day. We are broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 and Sealy and online at KurtzPolaris.com. You can find us also on the stream. You want to listen live on your device, on your tablet, on your computer, when you're at work, when you're at play when you're out of the area. You do it at 1029ESPN.com. You listen to the stream. The stream is brought to us by Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. You want to give us a call? You can do that as well. 329-1899, area code 406-329-1899. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. Let's take a look at what we got in the show today. We are going to open up with... The two coaches who are facing off tomorrow will hear a little bit from Bobby Houck uh, from his uh, some post press uh, post practice comments on Wednesday. And we had an interview earlier this week with Dan Hawkins, the head coach of UC Davis football team. We will bring both of those to you here right off the bat. We will also have our matches firm student of the week, Morgan Pierce from Lewistown on the show with us, as well as our dear friend Carolyn The chick who doesn't know about sports is going to be here on a Friday afternoon. Of course, at the top of the hour, looking forward to doing this as we do every Friday now, 12 for the 12s. Michael Sean Dugar covers the Seattle Seahawks for The Athletic. He will be on uh, with us to talk about the Seahawks coming out of their first loss of the season to New Orleans last week and into Arizona where they have won, but they have won weirdly. In fact, uh, as you'll hear, uh, you can you can maybe say sayonara to the Legion of Boom thanks to uh, University of Phoenix Stadium in uh, in, in Arizona uh, where the Cardinals play. So anyway, Cards, Seahawks on Sunday. That uh, broadcast, by the way, you're on ESPN Radio will begin at noon with kickoff at 2 o'clock. We also uh, will do some picks against the spread for you today and our Two-Tail Nuwana's two-minute mashup. Give you two minutes of the week that was Two-Tail Nuwana. So there you go. That is our show, Outlook. It is brought to us by MissoulaGutterCleaning.com. Most fun, most insured gutter cleaning service in the area. MissoulaGutterCleaning.com. As we do every Friday, we are happy to be taking you into your weekend. So we hoist our glasses and we say, Cheers. It's time for our Florence Coffee Company coffee break on a Friday. Colter, you didn't even go for the coffee thing today. You said no. Give me the green tea.
0: When I, uh, <laughs> uh this is too revelatory. When I work out, I take pre-workout yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And I then I don't drink morning coffee. Instead, I just do that and go bang out some sets and then, you know. Yeah. But if you drink caffeine after that, it makes you feel just awful. Okay, it has like the reverse effect. It makes you like tired. I'll never it's, know. Well, you, <laughs> you on pre-workout would be the funniest thing ever. No. You working out is hilarious in, it, in itself. Just, uh, I'm always on post. workout So I go with the uh, <laughs> getting the post-workout carbs, right. proteins. You know, all of it. Sandwiches. I uh, went with some green tea. Very good. Real old detox. In
1: nice, the tasty. Uh, I got myself a uh, uh, cream de menthe iced latte. Mm. Wow. Tasty. You're really turning it up. Tasty. Uh, So, in any case, it's Friday. Boys and girls, the snow is coming. You might as well just hunker right on down with a hot latte, maybe an ice drink, maybe a a, a tea. Anything you need, you can get it right now. Florence Coffee Company. Go into a Florence Coffee Company kiosk and get your weekend started the right way with Two-Tel Nuanas and Florence Coffee. Coulter, tomorrow, buddy, it's happening. Conference play taking place across the big sky. Uh, And it is so interesting how much more conference play matters as an end is impactful uh, at at the big sky level uh, and the FCS in general with the big sky than it is at the FBS level. It's just, it's, it's just so much more important to what is going on. And also you, you learn more, you just get, you, you can't figure it out before now
0: of all the funny and great and insightful things that have been said on this show this week by our variety of guests that have joined us for our big Sky conference preview number one thing that resonated with me was Tim Walsh just singing to my heart, saying, if we were really going to pick the 24 best teams in the FCS, six or seven teams from the Big Sky Conference to make the playoffs. Right. It's true. Yeah. I say it all the time. Now that I'm an FCS stats voter, I watched some highlights from some of these games, and... I'm just like, man, I, I, you know, congratulations, you won the Patriot League. You are getting your butt whipped by Portland State. Yeah. And Portland State's going to finish 7th in the league. Best right. case scenario this year, you know? Maybe they'll be the surprise team and get up to 5th. But you know what I'm saying? Like, Portland State making the playoffs is very rare. And if they were in the MIAC or the Patriot League, they're winning the league They'd and getting the an auto
1: undefeated. bid. yeah, exactly. And
0: so I I disagree with him wholeheartedly. I really think that if you were really... You can't do this because you don't want to have a big sky conference, Missouri Valley tournament. But that's right. it, if you were really being honest with yourself. Out of the twenty-four best teams in the country, I I could almost guarantee that twenty of those twenty-four teams are either in the Big Sky, the Missouri Valley, or the Colonial Athletic Association. And they are.
1: It's it it it's a hundred percent true everything you're saying. But I don't have a problem with the way that it's set up. The, oh, the, the fact that the fact that the fortieth best team in the nation might be making it in because they turn out to be the best team in the Patriot League or the MIAC, yeah. that's okay with me. It gives you the national flavor and it gives those teams and those areas and those kids something to play for throughout the well, course and, of the year. And, you know? and, and
0: totally. And then and then. You know, t- to contrast Tim Walsh's point, Tim Walsh's team lost to non-scholarship San Diego in the first round of the playoffs a couple years ago. Right. So you never know what's going to happen on any given Saturday. Correct. The le- right. the playing field's not always levels. Right. It might be pouring rain, and you run the triple option, and you fumble the ball five times, and you lose.
1: <laughs> You know, always, that can always happen. Well, let's jump into some sound here uh, to, uh, to to continue to get you started. Went down and talked to uh, Bobby Houck. I said after practice, actually before practice, it doesn't really matter, but on Wednesday afternoon, so right in the middle of the week, heading into conference play. A couple of thoughts from uh, Coach Houck regarding this game and his football team. Here you go. Coach, you and Dan Hawkins are two of only three coaches in the big sky that are coaching at your alma mater. How much does that sort of play into just the tie that you have to a university obviously as a head coach and going against another guy who's in that same situation?
4: Well, it's always a special deal. You know, most all of us have a, a real uh, soft spot in our heart, and, and our alma maters mean a lot to us. So it's it's a, a cool deal to be working here for me, and I know that uh, Dan feels the same way about uh, UC Davis.
1: We know about the UC Davis offense and obviously about Jake Mayer. Getting pressure is always a key, especially in a game like this, but also blitzing a guy who's as good as that can be uh, tough to deal with as well. So how do you go about trying to manage those things?
4: Well, it's a hard thing with him. You know, it starts with the fact that he's a good player. Uh, He does a great job of buying time. He's accurate under duress, and he's not – been a guy that really has shown himself to get rattled much, so gonna kind of pick your times a little bit. And you know, he, he's he's pretty good into pressure. He's pretty good into uh, coverage. So you know, he's a good player, and we're gonna have to find a way to slow him down.
1: Patrick O'Connell is a guy who seemed to have flashed here in the first part of the season, coming off the edge. What did you like about him as a transfer, and, and where has he improved the most?
4: Well, Pat's worked hard. You know, he's he walked he walked on here, um, you know, year before two winners ago, I guess what I'll say. And uh, he's done a nice job. He's getting some playing time. And, you know, we as coaches really uh, uh, admire guys that walk on the program and bide their time, work their tail off, and, and get on the field. And uh, that's why Pat's real popular with the staff and his teammates.
1: And then one more, uh, Moses Mallory, you know, transfers in here and he seems to have kind of solidified himself with that guard spot. What have you liked out of him, and what's he done from a work standpoint coming in?
4: Well, he's... He's coming along. He's, he's playing better week in and week out, which is kind of what we expect out of, out of guys that transfer in at the, the August time rather than mid-year. And so, you know, Mo's done a good job, and he's competing hard to keep that spot, and that's what it will, we hope he'll do this weekend.
1: So there you go, Bobby Hout. Head coach of the Grizzlies, giving you uh, a little bit, talking uh, midweek to us. What are you grinning about over there?
0: Well, he's also, Moses Baller, is not only working hard, he's lost a bunch of weight, but he also is wallowing as, great, as well as any player in the country. Leads the country and wallows. When he pancakes a guy, then he lays on him, and without his hands... And then he'll get up by like rolling over. on. It's like it's like when you're messing around with your little brother and you're trying to squish him. And you're like, oh, you know, I'm trying to get up, but I can't. Yeah. He does that every time he's on top of somebody. It is hilarious. And when you're 6'3", 350, probably doesn't
1: feel that good if you're the guy on the bottom. Probably it doesn't. Probably it doesn't. He's mean, mean though, man. If you if you, you want to have fun, once upon a time I didn't feel that great.
0: If you want to have fun during the Grizz games, take your a favor, watch the right guard spot for the Grizz when they're on offense. Just <laughs> for a couple plays, he is he is a mean son of a gun. I tell you what, he's a, he's a good player, man. What we predicted, if he can play himself into shape, he he's going to be a big time contributor because he's already doing good work on that interior offensive line for Montana.
1: Well, we want to uh, also uh, give you some Dan Hawkins here. Dan Hawkins is uh, the head coach, of course, at UC Davis. He was at Colorado for a while. He was uh, he's been at Boise State, and uh, has you know just a, a tremendous coaching resume. Uh, over you know uh, several decades of being a, a head coach all over the place, but returns to his alma mater and is making UC Davis into is something that they have never been before. And uh, we were fortunate enough to uh, sit, you know talk with him at the Big Sky uh, uh, kef- kickoff and then again this week. And so uh, we're going to play this for you. This is our interview with Dan Hawkins uh, from, from earlier this week talking about all things UC Davis and preparing for their matchup Saturday against the Montana Grizzlies. We go now to the Rankins Brothers RV phone line, and we welcome in the third-year head coach of the UC Davis Aggies, Dan Hawkins, the Aggies hosting Montana in their first uh, conference game this Saturday in a big, big game in the Big Sky Conference. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time out and spending it with us. How are you?
3: Appreciate you having the
1: eggs on. Well, we're happy to have the eggs on. The number 4 team in the nation and uh, just an outstanding football team, what you've done there. We've been watching from afar and and, uh, really admiring uh, what you've done there at UC Davis. Before we get into this season, what's it been like for you? We know it's your alma mater and, and you had some time off from coaching. You come back to it now. What's it like for you to be at UC Davis right now as the head coach? Well
3: it's really fulfilling from the standpoint of, I think our model here of the total student athlete and how we were raised in this program of being able to be good in school and take care of your personal life and play good football was a model that we all believed in and subscribed to. Um, And we have a chancellor and an AD that are extremely supportive of what we're trying to do. And we're, have started the initial phases of a $50 million football facility that's going up. And uh, we have people that believe in what we're doing and supporting what we're doing. And it's a major institution. We've got 35,000 students here, um, ranked nationally and globally in a lot of academic areas. Uh, But it's fun to be here and be a part of that, be around good people that support you and believe in your mission and what it is you're trying to do. That's just really really a good feeling.
0: I talked to Bobby Houck about this earlier this week, but Bobby Houck, Dan Hawkins, the only two coaches in the big sky conference that are the head coaches at their alma maters. What is unique about that? What makes that special?
3: Well, you, it, you obviously bleed a little bit. I think sometimes people can make a little bit more of that maybe than it is, but you certainly understand obviously the Grizz have amazing tradition and you know, you're, you you're familiar with all the the games and the history and the players and the coaches and what went down and how it went down. And uh, all that stuff is very, really relevant. It's relevant uh, in your mind because you've been a part of that. Uh, And all that stuff makes it, makes it extremely fun. So it's not, it's not just another job. It's not just another paycheck. It's something you sort of believe in and, and really is a part of your background and it's, it's like being part of a family. You understand all the ins and outs of, of all everything that made it up.
0: We usually don't discuss the media procedures of this sort of things, but I know your guys' at the sports information department has been great this week, and they set this up for us. But they said you had to do seven interviews today, which I mentioned that only because I think it just puts in full display the magnitude of this matchup, a surging UC Davis team that has established their national reputation against the Montana team that has such a traditional uh, national prominence. So on that element, what do you think of just the matchup you guys have on hand, and what's this been like for you guys to watch the, the level that your program's risen to these last couple years?
3: Well, like I said, I think it's been fun for our university, and we are nationally and internationally known for so many academic programs, and it's great to provide exposure and be a front porch to an amazing university. And that's part of, uh, I think what a great athletic program can do for a university. And so that's been great. So we're able to shed a lot of light. UC Davis is, is prominent in a lot of whether it's internet or TV or radio. And that's, that's a good thing for your university. Um, We really just want to be as good as we can be. We, certainly admire what Montana has done and respectful of what they've done and understand that and, you know, their their place in the conference and they're as good as anybody and they'll always be uh, kind of the benchmark uh, for this league. I had to get my daughter to suspend her alumni dues this week, though, so I said you can only carry this Montana degree so far. You're going to have to cut (laughs) out the, the alumni donation this week. (laughs)
1: very good yeah it's got to stop at some point right colter something people may not know about us but we work at a company imagine that we don't just broadcast from our bedrooms I mean, I've wanted to work from home, but the studio is here, and we also have to do sales things, and we also have a marketing department, and we also have a general manager and a program director. We are a very integrated unit here. We even have office telephones. The only voicemail you have that's not full. That is a fact, and it's not full because Blackfoot gives me enough space to have it all, and Blackfoot has all the things that we use for our business to make it run functionally. In fact, did you know that today's phone solutions are changing the way businesses operate? To communicate more effectively with colleagues and customers, companies are turning to hosted voice. You know what they call hosted voice solutions? VoIP. What is VoIP? Well, they're the hosted voice solutions that keep up with the business demands. And Blackfoot has their own hosted voice solution, or VoIP. It's called VoIP. Ergo. Sounds elegant. Ergo certainly is elegant. It's also secure, scalable, and state-of-the-art with 24-7 local account management and support. If you're interested in learning how Ergo can support your business needs, visit goblackfoot.com voice to learn more. One more time, it's visit goblackfoot.com/voice. Blackfoot takes care of us Coulter, and it can take care of you. Dan Hawkins, the head coach of the UC Davis Aggies, uh joining us here on two and Nuwanas and coach, obviously it's a shift for everybody when you move out of the non-conference schedule and into the conference portion of the season, especially, you know, at the FCS level, but you guys coming off uh, you know, a really hard-fought game at North Dakota State, is there is there an added element when you're in the last Non-conference game was such a big game, such a national, uh, you know, on on such a national scale, and against such a good team.
3: I I don't know. We just sort of approach it. I mean, you got to try to hit the pitches that are thrown at you, and I don't. We don't try to make too much of it one way or another, whether it's on the road or it's home, or they're supposed to be good or they're supposed to not be good, or what are they ranked or not ranked, or what's their logo. We just try not to really get into that too much. I think it's fun to. It's fun to play good teams and go to places you haven't been before and be a part of that. But uh, as you guys know, this, this league is unbelievable. There's a lot of great coaches and good players and good teams. And uh, so we try not to make too much or too little of, of any contest. And, I mean, we, we got Montana squarely, squarely in, in front of us and, you know, getting our full attention.
0: With with league play opening this week, do you have any overall gauge on what your expectations are for across the conference, what the league race might be like this year?
3: I have no clue. You guys know one of the things that makes this league just amazing is it's just funny how every year somebody jumps up that everybody thought wasn't going to be good, and then maybe somebody that thought was going to be good isn't. And I don't know. I think as soon as you start trying to be Nostradamus, you're going to be in trouble because <laughs> yeah. there's there's too many twists and turns. I, I don't know. It's hard to predict, and I don't even try to go there. I don't I do even try to get into that.
1: Coach, when we talk about now this particular matchup uh, uh, against the Grizz, uh, you know, UC Davis has been – uh, so proficient and prolific offensively and obviously with, with Jake there as your quarterback but also really substantial defensively through the non-conference schedule this year I think as well but the thing to me is is I, I think that UC Davis and Montana have maybe a couple of the better coaching staffs that I've seen and some of the the uniqueness that you bring to the table and the skills and the, uh, and the schemes and things like that. What have you seen out of Montana just from a schematic standpoint particularly defensively where they really loaded up on the back end with five DBs basically in their base form
3: yeah they're good all the way I mean you know Bobby's been a defensive guy and a special teams guy and that certainly shows up and I mean Rosie's been around and seen enough football I mean everything they do gives you problems and they're so doggone good at it and they play 100 miles an hour and I mean it's it's mind-bending all the time in terms of what happens and you know there's there's no plays off and there's no schemes off and uh, it's it's tough, but but part of that is a coach and a player you like. I mean, that's why you do it, and that's why you try to play at a high level and be a part of that, that you can go test yourself every Saturday.
0: Watch your guys' entire game against North Coast State last week. I was really impressed with your effort on both sides of the ball, but particularly the defensive effort. Went toe-to-toe with one of the toughest teams in the country, What was your evaluation of your guys' defensive effort last week at NDSU? Yeah, I thought we
3: played great. I thought we really played great. We really did. I thought they put us in a position to win the game and uh, did a great job against a team that loves to run the football and is extremely multidimensional, extremely. And I think their quarterback is multi-talented, can really run. Now he's younger and maybe not as adept totally in the throwing game that they want, but, I mean, he can spin it. Now he can really spin it, and he's a big dude and he's fast, and they're physical, and but I thought our guys did a really nice job. I thought our scheme was good. I thought we played hard, um, put us in a position to do some things really well um, against a very good football team.
1: You know, Coach, it's it's... it's one thing to kind of build a program up and get to, you know, a high watermark and be really good. And then it's another thing to be good and to stay good. And you're in a position now where, you know, you guys have been good. And now it's trying to maintain, you know, that sort of that high level of of performance on the football field. I know you go about this holistically, but what's it like to transition maybe out of building a program and into maintaining a program?
3: It's always the same as you're, you're, your benchmark is the mirror and you better keep picking up the trash and you better keep the chairs in order and you better get to practice 15 minutes early and you better watch the ball. And it's all those, those things that you do every single day. And uh, like I said, when you start trying to measure yourself against somebody's opinion or another team, uh, I think you're in trouble and that's really the trick is just to wake up every day and, And try to be the best version of yourselves. And sometimes that's easier said than done. But, I mean, we we don't have a funeral when we lose. We don't have a parade when we win. We don't don't have an expectation that we're supposed to win or we're supposed to lose. Uh, We just don't operate that way. We don't think that way. We don't talk that way. We don't move that way.
0: We mentioned your defensive effort last week. What's your evaluation of Montana's offense, and what are your expectations for that matchup?
3: Again, still, you know, extremely multi-dimensional. You know, running quarterback always gives you headaches, and a lot of different formations, and a lot of guys to throw it to, and uh, a variety of personnel. People, it's not like you can load up on one guy because you can't. I mean, they're they do a nice job, spread you out, give you a little eye candy. It's tough. It's tough.
1: Dan Hawkins, head coach of the UC Davis Aggies with you. And, Coach, one last question for you. Obviously, it can always be turnovers and things of that nature, but specifically to this game, what do you think is something that you, you're you looking at it that you think will be a key in terms of the outcome and and who's going to come out on top? You he just he just said it. I was trying to steer you away. You know, I didn't want the turnover answer because, well, that's, you know. Yeah, it's that turn- the <laughs> that's the answer.
3: That's the eternal answer for every game. I mean, I mean, that's, that's the eternal answer. I mean, that's, that'll be a large determinant of what you know what happens in the game. But, I mean, you can always look at explosion plays or, you know, you have things in special teams, and uh, that's always a critical part. The running game is always part of it as well. But, I don't know, I've been coaching football a long time, and it's hard to win football games when you turn the ball over more than the other team. That's hard to do.
1: Well, coach, that is a fact, and we uh, we certainly appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, personally, I've I admired the way that you have done it there at UC Davis since you took over, and and really appreciate you coming on with us. And we're really looking forward to this football game and and continued success uh, throughout this season and beyond. Okay.
3: Appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot.
1: There you go, Dan Hawkins, head coach of UC Davis. Our Opportunity Bank coaches Corner Opportunity Bank. Your local bank, your opportunity. And Coulter, I know that a lot of people have, you know, that are familiar with Dan Hawkins have varying opinions. Not so much about him. I think everybody seems to like Dan Hawkins and all that, but his approach is very, very atypical. It's outside the box, and uh, some people, you know, kind of go, "Well, what's this guy really up to?" You know, he kind of got this whole thing going on, and other people really like it. I happen to love it. I think it's, I think his approach to it, uh, it it works for me just as far as on the outside looking in, and you know, again as we talked all the time, it's about fit, right? And he, at his alma mater there at UC Davis, is the right fit. I mean, it's the perfect fit for what they are, for what they have as a university, the student le- side of the athlete that they have to have there. And uh, and and I think it's great. And it's going to be, to me, a really fun matchup tomorrow between these two teams and, and uh, you know an opportunity for Montana to... To make a statement very early in the season. And also, frankly, an opportunity for UC Davis. to Because I th- I still think there's a lot of people who look around the landscape of the FCS and go, Really? UC Davis? UC Davis? I mean, it's not that long ago that UC Davis was an afterthought in the Big Sky Conference to say nothing of uh, on the national level. And now here they are, the number four team in the nation. And I think there are still... Uh, doubters out there Uh, I am not among them but there are they are out there they certainly don't have the history that other teams have and so an opportunity for both of these teams to uh, prove themselves against you know another one of the top teams in the conference and thereby the top teams in the country
0: yeah I mean I think that they actually were able to stamp their national brand more quickly once they attained success than any of the other new teams in the Big Sky Conference, I think it's twofold. Why? First of all, they have a brand name head coach in Dan Hawkins, who coached at the absolute highest level of college football when he was coaching the Big Twelve at Colorado, and and the, and uh, and of course because of his previous success at Boise State, mm-hmm. but also just because they're a UC school, they're from California. For, I mean, for whatever reason, UC Davis when they beat San Jose State and then they beat Idaho and then you know they're sitting there at like five and one, they were just in the top ten. Southern Utah. I had to grind. I mean, Southern Utah made the playoffs and then won the league, and they had multiple NFL guys. But everybody thought, "Well, where's Southern Utah? What is Southern Utah? It's not part of the UC system. It's not a thirty-five thousand person school in this pristine area with this great academic institution." Everybody's thought, "Well, it's like a, it's just a D two school, a junior college, whatever you want to th- call it." The UC Davis and Southern Utah are a world away in terms of the campus culture, the academic prowess, all that. Sure. S- Southern Utah, North Dakota. They had way harder times punching in to get nationally recognized than UC Davis did. But I think the concept of fit is fascinating. I think we should actually do a segment on that next week because right now in the Big Sky Conference, I think that you have more schools that have coaches that are, if not perfect, at least really good fits for where they are at than you ever have before. I think that's the number one argument against what Bobby Houck said when he first was hired. The only thing different about the Big Sky Conference is the Montana Grizzlies aren't on top. I disagree with that, purely because Weber State did not have Jay Hill. Jay Hill is a perfect fit at Weber State. Right. UC Davis was not in the Big Sky. Let alone did they not did they have Dan Hawkins? You know, Sac State did not have Troy Taylor, a guy who is a high school legend in that neck of the woods and an offensive mastermind. We'll see what Chris Ball is in Northern Arizona. That's one of the ones that has a gray area for me. But Portland State, you know, they had Tim Walsh, good fit for a program that is just a an orphan child with nowhere to to play as Bruce Barham described the other day on this show. You couldn't have a better coach than that cuz he can manage the he's not oh woe's me. He jokes his way out of it by taking you to voodoo donuts. Right, You know. Right. <laughs> right. It's, he's a perfect fit for there and I yes. just I think it's an interesting dynamic but uh, we'll get more into this game. I uh, just the, the X's and O's parts of it but uh, I do think Dan Hawkins being back in the big sky is big time and I think that UC Davis they have so much potential, and they're already starting to achieve it. He broadly mentioned it right there, the fact that they're building a $60 million football facility. They also have an architectural plan in place to take Aggie Stadium from the current capacity of 10,800. And also, let's be clear, a little tangent here, but let's be clear. So many people from Montana are always like, well, all the rest of the stadiums in the Big Sky suck. That's not true. Aggie Stadium does not suck. It's a great venue. It's just not huge. It's just it's 10,800 people, but yeah. there will be 10,000 people there
1: tomorrow. Cal Poly's venue is it's great. Outstanding, right. but it's small. Yes. Right.
0: And, and, so, and there's small and then also low attendance, right? Like Northern right. Colorado has a small stadium, and then they only fill it half full,
1: right? Right, right?
0: Idaho State has a small stadium, and they only fill it half full. UC Davis, UC Davis has a small stadium, but they're, I mean, they're, 10, I mean they, they, they averaged 8,400 fans yeah. a game last year, and from the Montana game, they're going to have 10,000 people. It'll be a sellout or at least, I mean, very, very close to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to be standing room only packed in there, but it'll be a good crowd. Yep. So, so let's be clear there, but they have plans to renovate that stadium and push it to 30,000 plus. There's a lot of people that, around college athletics with the combination of Kevin Blue, who's their athletic director, who you could argue, I mean, he's the Seth Bodner of ADs I mean, he's like this up and coming, you know, mid-30s wonderkind and he's pushing the envelope so you huge. You could have said
1: he's the, the Ryan 2 of ADs, but you <laughs> elected to go with Seth.
0: Oh, okay. oh, Gosh, I'll tell a good Seth Bodnar story next week, too. Uh, but the, the, what I'm saying is they're pouring resources into the program. They have a coach with vision. They're now trying to bring the football program up to what the rest of the university has, which is an absolutely peerless brand. I mean, they have one of the great brands
1: of any non-Ivy League school in the country. Yeah. Yeah. Uh it is tell Nijuana's 1029 ESPN Radio SWX Montana Television. Uh Coulter, here's I want to ask you this question through the lens of the University of Montana. I mean, we talked about these two games comparing themselves, but with hashtag RTD, okay? And I I don't know exactly the the, the one thing that I that I wonder is what is what does that mean? What is return to dominance? And I mean the one thing that Bobby Howe has on his mind when it comes to the long view for the University of Montana is winning a national championship, period, end of story.
0: Well, it's, it's the largest gap on any otherwise elite coach's resume perhaps in all of FCS football, perhaps in the country.
1: Yeah, see, I mean, he's he, it's the only thing he's missing on his uh, on it, right? For, I mean, who else has won 85 out of 110 games that doesn't yeah. have a natty? Yeah, so point being, though, at the point that you win a national championship, I think you've accomplished return to dominance if that were to happen at some point for the University of Montana. But also, they never won a national championship and were still dominant at the time that Bobby Halk was here the first time. Certainly, My question to you is, in the arc of, of the reemergence that Montana is working towards creating in their football program, what does a win tomorrow, if that were to happen, what would that mean to them? You're gonna hate this answer. Nothing, nothing.
0: nothing. I, I don't. I don't think it means anything. Period. Because here's the deal: UC, you know me. I'm all about long, the longevity of the situation when it comes to the reputation. As of right now, UC Davis has played really well at the Division One level for 17 games. That's it. Ever, they've not been competitive at the Division One level. They've been okay when they first moved to the D1 level and they were, um, they were playing in the Great West. Mm-hmm. They had winning records, six and five was I think was their best season. But they have not been... Last year was their first good year since joining the Big Sky Conference. Their first even winning season since joining the Big Sky Conference. They won 10 games. They had a special quarterback in Jake Mayer, who they still have. But to me, to be a program to be reckoned with for a long time, you have to get through that first recruiting cycle. You have to get past that first... I mean, they brought Jake Mayer in as a transfer. I'm sure they have a guy waiting in the wings. How could they not? Dan Hawkins has always been great at recruiting and developing quarterbacks, but they also could just fall off a cliff. After Jake Mayer's gone, right? What Tim Plough gets hired as a Pac-12 offensive coordinator, how you replace him. I mean, he's got that sort of pedigree already Sure, in terms of his play calling. So it remains to be seen. What I'm saying is from a broad perspective, from the actual narrative of Montana being dominant, Montana is the dominant team in this game. That doesn't necessarily mean they're the better team in this specific matchup, but that's the thing that Bobby Hauk is trying to instill in his charges is that we should not be
1: scared of some team that won the conference last year or Montana. Well, no. Okay. So but hold on. Because you're right. They shouldn't. And nobody's going to be as scared of anybody. Okay. But in in on the large scheme, I mostly agree with you in terms of it doesn't mean I won't say it doesn't mean nothing or it means nothing but I will say it doesn't mean all that much but it, I won't say that it doesn't mean anything because it is the number 4 team in the nation Sure. and even though Montana of course has the 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 the, the longer better history sure they are not the better team and they haven't been and so right. uh, I mean we'll see if they're the better team tomorrow but they 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 in the last 5 years UC Davis has been the standard bear, and they are again. And if Jake Mayer isn't here next year and they're not good, that's fine. He's going to be there tomorrow. And so so this game is what you're talking about, a number four team in the nation and the number one team in your Big Sky Conference. If you want to be RTD, you have to win this football game. I agree. I also think that the way Portland State
0: celebrated last year when that field goal went through the uprights, that will not be Montana if they win tomorrow. They will be happy for a moment. And he'll be back to work. That's the confidence shift that we keep talking about. I really think that that's the thing. We we were sort of tongue-in-cheek making fun of the Grizz. Like, oh, you really think you're going to go to Oregon and win? Winning. It's the only measure of success. But you got to be like that if you want to instill that confidence. I truly think, like talking to Dalton Sneed earlier this week, they straight up plan to go down
1: there and whip UC Davis. I, I understand. And that's fine. And you should have that mantel- Mentality. Okay. And they you should, but not everybody can. Even when the I, cats were competing with the
0: Grizz in the mid two thousands, it was still like, Man, we, we're playing the Grizz. We're we're going for the upset. The Grizz don't have that we're the underdog mentality. That's where Coach Houck is so special. I guess all I'm
1: saying is this if they go and and if they win tomorrow, yep. nobody's gonna sit here and go, Mission accomplished, return to dominance, stamp it, whatever. Right except they're, for the hero sports guys well okay but they're they're on <laughs> but they're on the road and they already have like you said they already have this uh, a mentality maybe in them and they are they are headed in that direction and a win tomorrow would continue to solidify those beliefs and move this team forward in the direction where they want to go they would become if not probably right on the edge of a top 10 team in the nation. Maybe twelve, something like that.
0: Depending on what else happens, and but there is, a, you know, two top ten match or two top twelve matchups tomorrow too. So that somebody's losing. Two now. of the top twelve teams yeah. in the, and th- at least three of the top eighteen
1: teams in the country are going to lose tomorrow. But my point is, is. It continue. People believe right now the University of Montana with Bobby Hauk as the head coach are on the path to RTD. It's not merely a saying they think that this is in fact happening. A win tomorrow will continue to demonstrate that it is in fact happening. A loss tomorrow and you go, well, not so fast. This team totally. isn't where they need to be. They have not achieved. They're not as good as the best team in the Big Sky Conference, as the one of the best teams in the nation. And you know, okay, what if they lose by one on the road? Is you know, the, the, no matter what happens, the sky's not falling. But you can continue to solidify the beliefs of, of of the program and people around the program about where you are headed and even where you're at right now, or you can introduce a a reality that there is still a gap between you and where you once were and where everybody, or not everybody else, but where the top teams currently are. And that is on the line tomorrow in, in the very first conference game. Ironic that it would be the first one, but it is the first one. And this is a monster game to me for the University of Montana in that respect. Absolutely.
0: Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not.
1: ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Good afternoon, Ryan Tutel, Colton Iwanis. Here's some sports news for you. Casey Kosman drilled a 37-yard field goal as time expired to live number two Butte to a 39-36 win over number three Sentinel at Missoula County Public Stadium last night. The victory moves Butte to 5-0 and on the season at the midpoint of the Class AA year and hands Missoula Sentinel their first loss in five outings. The Bulldogs defeated the Spartans by one point last season as well.
0: Reminiscent of that Jake Dennehy game winner, but it wasn't for the state title. New quarterback, Tommy Malop, threw for 170 yards and a touchdown while rushing for 89 yards and three more scores to once again pace the high-powered offense from the Mining City. Sentinel junior quarterback Dalton Bay had a career day, completing 23 of 25 passes for 321 yards and four scores. Bay through all four of those touchdown passes in the first half. Preston Jones had seven catches for 179 yards and three touchdowns. Jackson Lee, who's committed to Montana, totaled 113 yards from scrimmage and scored a short t- rushing touchdown. Butte hosts Helena Capital next week while Sentinel faces off against crosstown rival Big Sky.
1: Missoula Hellgate gets its first real test of the season tonight after ripping through the first three games 3-0 and for the first time since 1987. The Knights will take on number 5 Helena High in Helena. The Bengals are 3-1. In Montana and MSU open up conference play tomorrow. Montana State hosts Northern Arizona. Montana is at UC Davis. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound. Once well, again, time for our Mattress Firm Student of the Week. If you'd like to nominate a student of the week, you go on to MattressFirmMT.com, you find the student section, and you put them in there, kids who are doing good things in your community, in and around the state of Montana. It uh, doesn't mean you, know, you don't have to be athletes. You don't have to be, you just have to be kids that are up to something, that are doing something uh, both for themselves and their, for their communities. You go find them and do that there. We go now to the Raggage Brothers RV phone line, and we welcome in our Mattress Firm Student of the Week from Lewistown, a sophomore there, Morgan Pierce. Morgan, thanks so much for being with us. How are you?
5: I'm great.
1: How are you? Doing wonderful. Thank you for asking. Uh, Morgan, this is cool. You are Miss Teen Montana. How great is that? Now, this is not without a a little bit of backstory here because you were the first runner-up a year ago in the same competition, but elected to come back and give it another shot and then won this. What's this experience been like for you?
5: It's been absolutely amazing. I have had such an awesome time competing with the organization, and I've made amazing, amazing memories and friends.
1: What what was it that made you want to do this in the first place? Because I understand this is something that you've had your eye on for a long time.
5: Yeah, it has been. I've actually grown up watching the Miss USA pageant on TV, and I said when I'm 14 and I'm old enough to go into the teen division that that's what I was going to do.
0: Tell us all the things that go into preparing yourself uh, for a pageant, because it seems like these things are pretty high pressure when you get kind of in, in, <laughs> into the event. So tell us about all the ways you try to prepare.
5: Just a lot of working with walking coaches and interview coaches and just working on believing in yourself and staying confident.
1: I could use a walking coach, I think, from time to time, (laughs) Coulter, Man, alive, this limp. I don't think I'd be much for uh, many pageants (laughs) myself. But this is cool because you win this, and now you're going to be competing in Miss Teen USA in the spring. Where is that, and how excited are you to do that?
5: I am extremely excited. It's going to be such an amazing experience, but we do not know where it is yet.
1: Oh man, the mystery! Well, let's go Omaha, Nebraska. Am I right? That's where we want. (laughs) Right, the the heart of America.
5: Yes.
1: Um. Morgan Pierce, our guest, she is our mattress firm student of the week. And Morgan, you, uh, part of what you have done uh, just your whole life, but uh, also obviously for this as well, has been in dance, and you've like you've loved to dance. And now uh, you're old enough now that you're you're teaching dance to some of the young kids around in uh, in Lewistown. Tell us about that.
5: Yeah, so I love kids and I love dance, and so I put two and two together, and I started helping around my studio teaching little girls.
1: And so how many girls do you teach?
5: Um, the class size varies. I've done a class with like 15 little tiny girls, and then I've done a class with two little girls. So oh, it kind of depends.
1: Which do you like more, when it's when it's a bunch of them or when it's just a couple and you can focus in?
5: It's easier to teach when it's a couple, but yeah. it's more fun when there's a lot.
1: There you go. That's that's how I feel, Coulter. <laughs> no Give no me doubt. more kids, you no know? Doubt. What's the
0: most rewarding part about that for you?
5: Just seeing how far they come, even though they're so little, just knowing that they have so much potential to be amazing when they grow up.
1: Well, Morgan, congratulations to you. Very well done to stick with it and and uh, and win this year's Miss Teen Mon- uh, Montana competition. And best of luck at Miss Teen USA in Omaha or wherever <laughs> it might be, okay?
5: <laughs> Thank you so much.
1: There you go, Morgan Pierce. Thank you, Morgan, for joining us for Match from Student of the Week. Colt, there's something people may not know about us, but we work at a company. Imagine that. We don't just broadcast from our bedrooms. I mean, I've wanted to work from home, but the studio is here, and we also have to do sales things, and we also have a marketing department, and we also have a general manager and a program director. We are a very integrated unit here.
0: We even have office telephones. The only voicemail you have that's not full.
1: That is a fact, and it's not full because Blackfoot gives me enough space to have it all. And Blackfoot has all the things that we use for our business to make it run functionally. In fact, did you know that today's phone solutions are changing the way businesses operate? To communicate more effectively with colleagues and customers, companies are turning to hosted voice. You know what they call hosted voice solutions? VoIP. What is VoIP? Well, they're the hosted voice solutions that keep up with the business demands. And Blackfoot has their own hosted voice solution, or VoIP. It's called Ergo. Sounds elegant. Ergo certainly is elegant. It's also secure, scalable, and state of the art with twenty four seven local account management and support. If you're interested in learning how Ergo can support your business needs, visit go slash voice to learn more. One more time, it's visit goblackfoot.com backslash voice. Blackfoot takes care of us, Coulter, and it can take care of you it's friday you know what that means get the beat button ready the chick who doesn't know sports is here again hi carolyn hi how are you
6: i'm great
1: oh man i almost Uh, said something that makes me so happy i think uh we uh like to do this every friday around here uh bring in carolyn who doesn't know anything about sports so that she can tell us about sports from her uh how do we say it unique perspective okay carolyn what do we got?
6: I'm keeping it clean this week.
1: I'll believe it. Doubt it.
6: <laughs> um, Shakira and J Lo. You know what they're doing?
1: Um, singing, putting on great concerts globally.
6: They're head- whatever they want. They're headlining the Super Bowl halftime show.
1: Oh, yeah. Shakira and J Lo.
6: Yeah, together.
1: I'm not into this. What? Hundred percent not oh, into. You...
6: Who did you actually? Want?
1: I'm fifty percent not into this. You're an idiot. Why?
6: Which one do you not like?
0: It doesn't matter. This is the greatest Super Bowl show that ever could be because just, now you can't say, "Man, this was a terrible live performance," because it's guaranteed to be great because it has nothing to do
1: with the music, it has everything <laughs> to do with the singing or the dancing. And you're first of all, that's that's that is a dumb take. I'm just <laughs> no. that is a dumb take. The Super Bowl halftime music show is always about the music. No, it's not. Period.
6: It's about the show. But
0: every single one of these shows, we're like, man. Can't wait to see the Rolling Stones. Can't wait to see Bruce Springsteen. Can't wait to see Number five. And then yeah. afterwards, everybody's like, they suck. This way, no one's going to say they suck because all the women are going to be like, oh my God, they were so beautiful. And all the men are going to be like,
1: good dancing. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. no, that's wrong. Here's the thing. Shakira, I'm into it. I like Shakira and she's still doing it. J-Lo, can you... J-Lo is just got to hang it up. Oh, you got God. to know... When That's your time has time. come. No, and you know why I know this? Because I saw her perform just recently. What was the thing where she did a big old performance at? I don't know what at the this Grammys. was. The Grammys. At the, was it the Grammys? Yeah. Terrible. She's out there trying to dance, okay, like she was, you know, 30 years old again or whatever, and still <laughs> Jenny from the block, and she's a 50-year-old A-Rod's what ninth girlfriend or whatever fiance. it is that yeah okay excuse me so go do that go have a nice life with alex rodriguez and get out of here if you want to sing then sing enough with the pretending that you aren't what you all were that you are what you were you're not get over this i'm this, done with j-lo this man is blind he's I mean, blind your gorgeous. eyes don't work i don't do your eyes work did I say anything about how she looks? This That's n- the whole point of what she is. You are pathetic. <laughs> You are pathetic. She is a she was a great artist and a great performer, but she needs to move on from this this oh, this man. dumb choreographed thing in these little dresses and everything else because she can't move anymore. So, she's she's a forty year old running back who's had nine knee <laughs> surgeries and cannot even make it to the line of scrimmage anymore. Go retire and go away. I
6: think if she wore a sensible shoe
1: that, that's not going to happen. Yes. If she was out there in a pair of Nikes, yes. she would probably be able to I'm dance just saying, really those
6: well. Those heels probably don't work well. Man, also, you lit me up with this I one, know, Karen. Wow. So I guess you don't want to take, I mean, I was going to ask which one of you guys would prefer which performer to have a wardrobe malfunction. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just so dumb. First of all, their, their music I has nothing really. to do with I football anyway. <laughs>
6: Right. Well, I didn't mean to get you so.
1: No, no, I'm so tired of J Lo dancing around because she can't do it anymore. She's done.
0: My mother's going to kill
1: you when she listens to this.
4: My
0: mother loves Jennifer Lopez,
1: like, beyond belief. It has nothing to do with loving her or not loving her. She's great, but she can't perform like this anymore. She is done with that. If she wanted to come out there and just stand at the microphone and sing, if she did that, which she won't do, we all know that she's not going to do if she did that, it would be marvelous but she's going to go out there and try and show the world that she's still got it and Madonna ain't the only one that can come out here 60 and do No, no, go away.
6: Okay, well, I think it's going to be a great show. I think it's going to be good for the Super Bowl, and I don't really like J-Lo, but I will tune in for this. Of uh, unless Unless the Patriots are playing, then I'm banning the Super Bowl again.
1: Well, I got news for you.
0: The Patriots are going to be in it.
6: Well, then I will be skiing. You're going to love it.
1: I'm not going to love it. I can promise. I already know what it is because I watched it at the Grammys. I was pumped up about the they're Grammy. performance They're going to do
6: a mashup. It's going to be like Shakira and then J Lo, and they're going to be shaking their hips and looking hot. It's going to be great. I,
1: I just, I'm so sick of this whole thing. <laughs> You of all people, Coulter, because what is your the thing that you hate the most that isn't football? All of the things <laughs> you're like, well, just give me the football. And this is the least football thing that happens is the Super Bowl in this ironic way. And now, and now we got to be subject to this. I don't like this. Yeah, but I, I
0: usually hate the halftime show because it just brings this unwanted, well, unwarranted scrutiny on the artists. And I agree with that. These two. I just think our can't miss because it doesn't matter what songs they play and it doesn't matter how they sing the songs. It's all about the dancing and the costumes.
6: Yeah, they're not even singing anyway. It's so kidding?
0: universally appealing.
1: Like yeah, it's a can't it's, miss.
6: It's, it's a Every good...
1: woman and man is going to love this. No, <laughs> not everyone. You're right. Everyone except one. All That's right. fine.
6: Well, the week after the Super Bowl, we will discuss it on Check Who Doesn't Know About Sports.
1: Thank you, Carolyn.
6: Thank
2: you.